Welcome to the Taylor Careers Podcast. I'm Shannon Sanford, career and business strategist. I coach driven individuals how to find their calling through clarity and confidence coaching, along with the help of my wonderfully supportive network of professionals. My mission is to bridge the gap between the unknown, uncertainty, and unfulfillment into a passionately rewarding career. Whether you are struggling to choose the right path, thinking of transitioning into a new role, or are interested in personal development, this podcast is for you. Join me weekly as I interview a variety of professionals to hear their stories, gain expert advice and insights from these career-driven guests to help you position your future for success within your own personal journey to your tailored career. Hey, podcasters. Today, I have Jessica Carnival joining me today to chat about her career path from supply chain to education. If you're listening and have an interest in higher ed, supply chain, or even how to pivot your career, you're going to want to listen into our chat. I met Jessica during a networking night for supply chain professionals. Her and I had a conversation on careers and ended up chatting about ice cream and brunch. So uh, we definitely connected on that level and we've stayed good friends ever since. Here to talk about her past roles, current position, and her future endeavor, which is very interesting, is my friend Jessica. So thanks for joining me today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I am great. Excited to chat. Okay, so let's just jump right into it. I love for the listeners to hear your story, if you can share with us and walk us through how you got to where you were and where you are today. So it's actually an extremely funny story. I did not start anywhere near supply chain. I got my start in the career world as a bank teller. And the reason why was because I was putting myself through college and working for a bank, even part-time at 20 hours, I was able to get my own health insurance. From there, I found a love for compliance. And I grew that love of compliance up to an assistant compliance manager for a bank, a branch. And But I noticed that I was not as challenged as I wanted to be. And my husband, Steven, and I were discussing me pivoting my career in some way with my love of compliance. And he introduced me to this wonderful person who worked as a customs broker for, uh, I believe it was Columbia uh, Apparel, Columbia Apparel. Okay. Yeah. Out in Portland, Oregon. And she explained to me what a customs broker does. And it's essentially think of it as The lawyers not being lawyers of customs coming when you ship things into the country. We went over all of the paperwork. We did all of the entries. They're called entries that we submit into customs border protection. And I absolutely fell in love with it. And that's where I began my lifelong journey into supply chain. And I realized a lot of the stuff I did in the banking world kind of spilled over in terms of being very detail-oriented, the logistics of getting things at a certain time. So it was not an easy transition, I will say that, but it was a very positive one. And from there, I moved into international logistics and decided I wanted to go for a master's degree. I looked into MBAs, I looked into master's of supply chain, No matter what avenue I looked, for some reason, they didn't pan out. And my husband and I were going to move back to the East Coast because we had 
four years prior moved to the West Coast. So I was looking around online one day and I found a master's of legal services where I could concentrate on international business and business law. And it just piqued my interest with the University of Arizona. And I actually got in and I was shocked I got in because I had no legal background. So I decided to leave the workforce. I was lucky enough to be able to do that because I was having a very negative work environment at the new place I was working. Mm, okay. And I knew something had to change. So I decided to take another leap and I started my master's program. Fast forward maybe six months into my master's program, Rochester Institute of Technology, RIT, had needed a new adjunct to teach intro to supply chain. And I was really interested in becoming a professor because I genuinely enjoy working with people. And I have never met anybody with a better work schedule in my life. So, <laughs> so I had a very untraditional introduction because I was only, it was my very first class I've ever taught. It was in supply chain, but I was so nervous that I would be asked questions I didn't know, or my students wouldn't think I was smart, right. all of these different emotions. And then as I was becoming comfortable with it, COVID hit and we shut down completely, which then we had to transfer everything online. So not only was I venturing into a brand new career and trying to get my sea legs about me. Now I had a shift during a global pandemic and try to learn and relearn and shift all at the same time. Yeah. That's a lot. a lot of transition. <laughs> I, I'm very lucky in the fact that I have a very tenured professor living in the same house as me that could help guide me when I needed it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure that's, that's definitely a plus. Very beneficial. Yeah, that's amazing. I love your background. And it's just so interesting to, you know, really just be able to like leap and jump into something new. And I liked how you shared, you were in a toxic environment. And that's when you knew something had to change. I think so many people, you know, a lot of our listeners, maybe younger, whether they're in high school or college, but then some of our listeners too are in a career, and they're just not feeling that either passion or rewarding, or maybe they're just in a toxic environment. And this is the time where they're thinking to look elsewhere and they're thinking to make a career switch. So I think that's, um, you know, something that we definitely have to keep in mind is if you're in a toxic work environment, is it, you know, ask yourself those questions. Is it just the job itself or is it the role that you're doing? You know, kind of try, try to be able to pull some of those things that you like out about it and then make a change from there. Yes. So could you uh, walk us through how you were able to successfully adapt from going from supply chain into a higher education role? Luckily, because when I was getting ready to transition, I did a lot of research and a lot of my roles required me to do a lot of research. So there I had the discipline of knowing how to weed out a lot of misinformation that's definitely been helpful. Mm -hmm. I will say, I think I was a little overly stressed going back into a full-time student role. And I panicked thinking I had to learn every little thing and I had to know every single piece of case law, like the back of my hand. I was working 16 hour days. 
I was driving myself crazy. And then I relaxed a little bit when I realized it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. I came from a world where a lot of the times I had bosses telling me what to do or managers telling me which way to go. I always had somebody guiding me. I had to be at this place by this time. I wasn't allowed to leave in this time. I was only, I had to go to lunch at exactly 12 o'clock. I, so trans, the hardest part I think for me was transitioning from environments where every minute of my day was dictated to me mm-hmm. to where now I had full control of my schedule. And in the beginning, I went extreme, one extreme where I just lived in my home office and never left. And then there were times where I burnt out and I went to the complete other extreme and I barely touched my schoolwork. I'm like, oh no, I have due dates tomorrow. (laughs) Finding that equilibrium, what I would say was the biggest transition for me. Yeah, that makes sense. Is going from such a structured environment into more of a flexible environment when you really have to have self-discipline in order to be able to create some of that structure for yourself and then get to get your tests done that you need to. You're right. And I can promise you, no one is better at convincing me that I should take a nap than myself. <laughs> I am my own worst enemy. No one is perfect. And believe me, sometimes the, the hardest adversary you have is yourself and learning to tell yourself, no, doing three minutes of reading does not constitute a nap. (laughs) (laughs) Really finding that balance. That's the key, right? (laughs) Yes. And not being afraid to ask help. I have a lot of friends, you included, that are very disciplined in how you do things, where I went from somebody just telling you what to do and when. So you can, you can even admit, I've asked you for, what do you do? Get tips and talk to people on how do you go about this? And what do you do when you feel this way? And it helps. It helps a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's some great advice too, is to be able to ask for help. Um, you know, my, I know myself included, I, I struggle a little bit with that, to be honest, I don't always like to ask for help and I kind of just take a lot of that on myself. Um, but yeah, some, some great advice there. Okay. So can you walk us through a typical day in the life of what you do now as a professor? Okay. So well, right now, everybody's probably very mad at me because they're in the middle of their final papers. But, <laughs> um, a lot of it is trying to find new ways to make the material connect. So I spent a great deal of time. I already have my, my book. I already have my lecture notes and I already have my PowerPoint. Those were, are all done. So what I try to do before class is one, go over my notes just to remember what I'm speaking about, but also find fun activities to do so that they're not just trying to listen to me drawn on about material. I want it to stick. So to give you an example of this, when we were talking about um, designing a, a, like a procedure or a way of doing things, I actually because we couldn't be in class, it was online this semester, I told my class, I said, okay, so today we are going to build a a list of instructions on how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I went every, I made them go through everything from picking out the type of bread, made them look up prices, made them look up ounces, all the way down to the way we cut the bread. 
And what I found hilarious was when I first told them they were doing this, they're like, oh, this is easy. We'll be done in five minutes. After two and a half hours, I had to be like, guys, the class is ending soon. We need to wrap this up. And they were still yelling at each other. And I said, this is what I wanted you to see. In your mind, you have a way of doing things and Mm -hmm. you assume that's the right way until somebody presents you their way of thinking. You can't just say, no, that's not going to work. You have to figure out where is your, where is your middle ground? And that is one of my favorite classes to teach because they always go in it thinking that I got this, this isn't a problem until someone says, well, no, we're going to cut the bread in fours. And another person says, are you five? No, we're going to cut it diagonally. And then somebody else came in and said, no, we're going to use the cookie cutters and make them dinosaurs. And I thought that was funny, but then somebody's like, well, then you got to think about the waste. And then I'm like, oh, let's talk mm, about waste. Yeah, You're great right. point. If, and, I, and I realized that I was very happy. I was like, so you have been listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> great, guys. Yes, you do see the connections. This does trail back to what we're talking about. <laughs> it was all funny games, but they remembered it. They will always remember pro- uh, uh, processing and design because they're designing a process, I should say, because of that. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so um, another question for you. What do you find most enjoyable about each of your roles? You can kind of even, you know, talk about your prior roles as well in supply chain. Um, What did you enjoy most about it? What did you love? My first job as a customs broker, I really enjoyed the ability to just be in my own little bubble because before that I worked in bank branches and for retail banking and I never got that chance to just sit in a back room look over the paperwork as needed because I was always putting out fires yeah and it's also a big job when you're when you're solely in charge of the vault of money so so being able to really just pour over these documents and it really felt like a where's Waldo constantly because you always had to search every single document for the right information. So to me, it became the scavenger hunt, which I, I enjoyed. And with logistics, logistics made it like a jigsaw puzzle I had to put together. I love puzzles. So that helped me there. Here in my current role, I really like interacting with the students I like getting to getting to know them. I like understanding their story, seeing how their minds work. I always tell them, I said, when I ask you to explain something on the test, explain it to me like I'm five years old. Because then I, if you can explain it to me in a very simplistic way, I know you understand the material. Yeah. I told them, I don't need a 10 page thesis paper for you to answer one question because you are assuming I want to see how smart you are. I know you're smart. You're very intelligent. Now dumb it down for me. Because, and I told him, I was like, if you feel as though you need to write this long piece of paper, next thing I know, you're saying the same thing over and over again, using different words. And next thing I know, I have Shakespearean English coming at me, where art thou material. (laughs) I don't need that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, at some point, it's just a copy paste and you're moving words around. Like, yes, 
I, I hate it when, when, and I've told students, like, I can tell when you're putting in, in the words to make yourself sound smart because then I have to look it up and I don't <laughs> want to look it up. I'm tired. <laughs> make it easy for me, guys. Oh, that's great. Um, okay, so flip side to that, what are some major challenges? And we'll kind of just specifically talk about because we, you know, we could talk about supply chain all day long. Um, but specifically within the role that you're in now as a professor and working at the college, what major challenges have you come across this year within 2020? And how have you been able to overcome those? So as I, I said previously, I only started my tenure as a professor in <laughs> January of 2020. Sure. So what a year to (laughs) to start this adventure. Hit the ground running. (laughs) So it's difficult for me to be able to really understand how it was prior because this is all I know. Wearing a mask and socially distancing. One of the hardest things I'm learning to deal with uh, would be students that genuinely are not interested. You could tell that they're just Mm. submitting things or not showing up or not paying attention. And it's hard because I want you to be engaged. I want you to be interested. I want you to get as much out of this class as possible. So for me, it's, I have to learn how to step back. It is not my job to chase you to want to make you want to learn I have to treat you like an adult you are the one that decided to take this class you need to put the work in so that I feel for me has been my because all I ever want to do is play mama hen and make sure everybody's happy and everybody's learning and everybody's got a smile on their face and it's not realistic so learning that you can't please everybody is hard I think that's great advice for people, particularly that are looking to get into higher education, because as a teacher and having a leadership role and a mentorship role, that is exactly it. You're looking to have everyone be on the same page, show up, you know, have dedication, motivation, and also just just want to be there and to continue learning. And to your point, they you have to treat them as an adult. You know, they're not they're past 18. This is a choice for them to be in school. And it's not, you know, like a a younger education system where they truly need to learn. I mean, this is a, this is a want to learn. So that's, I can see where that would be difficult. Yeah. All right. So in your opinion, what personality traits or characteristics would make for a good professor? So I know we talked about some, a little bit of advice, but what kind of our traits you would suggest um, or just even like personality types you can think of? For one, uh, definitely have the ability to just get in front of a crowd and not freeze up. Another thing I would say is patience. Patience is a big one because you're going to be asked a bunch of different questions in different areas. And sometimes it's things that you have said a million times in the past or it's on the syllabus you told them to read. So patience is definitely needed because you're going to repeat yourself. And it's not as though I'm saying repeating yourself when it comes to a lesson or materials that maybe they just didn't understand. I'm talking about, I looked you square in the eye and told you this five minutes ago, but you weren't paying attention. So (laughs) now I have to say it again. 
And I'm sure I'm going to have to say it five minutes from now. But another thing also is I'd have to say empathy. Mm -hmm. I think because I'm both a student and a teacher, I fully understand both sides of the coin at this moment. Right. I definitely, in my past, have had professors that you can tell are so far removed from the student role that they, they can't connect with their students. And yeah. I genuinely want to be able to connect with my students because I don't want them to just survive my class. I want them to enjoy it. I think so a very, a certain level of empathy is very much needed. Yeah, I think I would completely agree with you. That's a great point. If we could, you could just kind of give one, I know we, again, we, we talked a little bit about this, but um, if you have any final like tip or piece of advice that you could give to someone looking to get into higher education, what would you give them? So I would tell them to one, do your research, figure out what you want to do. A lot of people like to get MBAs and degrees that are vast enough where they can go anywhere, which I can definitely understand and respect. But if you know what you want to do, if you know you want to go into supply chain, then get a master's of supply chain. If you know you want, just like if you know you want to be a doctor, you're going to go to medical school. If If you want to be a lawyer, you're going to go to law school. When it comes to higher education, it depends on what avenue you're looking to take and more focused higher degrees tend to work out better for you. Sometimes getting just an MBA without a real concentration doesn't do as much for you that you would think it would. So I would say do your research, see what's out there. That's what I did because MBA wasn't my route. A master's in supply chain didn't seem to pan out. And I ended up getting a master's in legal studies. And I will, for the rest of my life, be saying to my mom, no, mom, I'm not a lawyer. (laughs) I do not do contracts. However, if you have questions on trade law, I'm your girl. (laughs) And for the rest of my life, I will be explaining this. So also try to get a degree that your mom can understand. (laughs) I love it. Okay. And last question. I, I just like to ask this to everyone and you can take it wherever you'd like. If you could choose any other career, if you could do anything either completely different, um, you know, in, in any other arena, what would you be doing and why? Honestly, there's only one ridiculous childhood fantasy that comes to my mind because you said anything in the world. Yes. And it probably would be like a rock star. Because I would love, yeah, you haven't heard me attempt to sing. If you did, you would tell me just stick with teaching. Um, And the only reason why is because when you see these people on stage, I could not imagine the thrill of the crowd and the energy and everything else that comes from that, just feeding off of that energy. It seems as though it would be so much fun and being able to be creative in a different outlet. But no, I was not, uh, I was not gifted with the voice of a songbird. Yeah. <laughs> no. That's so funny. No I mean, Grande here. Yeah. 
I'm no rock star, but I did grow up dancing. So I grew up like doing com- competitions and being on stage and everything. And it's so funny because I was very, very quiet when I was like, younger. And when I got on stage, it was like this complete other side of me. And I had attitude and sass. And like at the end, like I just put it all out there. And I don't know what it was like a flip, like a flip of a switch. Flip of the switch. Thank you. So <laughs> it, it was just like this complete transformation. I got on stage and I was a completely different person. It was like I had a, a mask on or something. I don't know. Um, but at the end of every dance, when the song was over and the crowd started applauding, like you just get this thing inside of you. And it was that's exciting. It was like, yeah, that adrenaline truly. Yeah. They truly enjoyed what they saw or what they watched or what they heard. And, um, that was really cool. So I guess no rock star here, but (laughs) that little, that little blip of, you know, that, that got, I too was in dance, but if you, if we broke out the old VHS tapes that I'm on, uh, (laughs) I'd be the person I was the one in the back, back, back. I was there, but I was, I was way back there. You were tapping your shoes. It's it's cool. They let me do somersaults. (laughs) I was tree number 20. It's fine. Oh, I love it. All right, cool. Well, thanks for so much for your time today and just chatting with me and giving our listeners a chance to, you know, hear a perspective from someone who transitioned and pivoted their career, but also was able to, you know, take something like supply chain, for example, take your background and your skill set and to be able to develop that and also to be able to give back and teach others. So thank you for doing what you do. And I appreciate your time. Anytime. Thank you for having me. That's a wrap for today's interview. I hope you were encouraged today and learned something new in this conversation. Check out more episodes on the Tailored Careers podcast, where we deep dive into a variety of jobs each week by chatting with carefully selected experts in their field. I encourage all of you to listen to a career or industry you are unfamiliar with. You just never know what may spark your interest or inspire you. Feel free to check out more insights and inspiration on social media. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at at tailoredcareers. As always, thanks so much for listening. Stay inspired, my friends.